0: Is this? Seven, 87 no 97 no. <laughs> 97 yeah and you had an 8 in it no it doesn't have an 8 it doesn't have an 8 in it <laughs> so the next one has an 8 in it which is what i was basing it off yeah but i i decremented
1: both numbers you would make a terrible computer <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, I'll just take 11 from this. That that seems to make sense. Yeah. This is this is why Swift moved to the, you know, the plus equals and minus equals symbol instead yeah, of the plus true. plus because... It just kept doing 11 instead. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this fine. Just every now and, and then. Every now and then. <laughs> we just get confused, maybe a bit tired. <sighs> Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode number 97. Not 87, 97. Yes, correct. So, Ben... We kind of have follow up, I think. Cool. Let's hear it, Jelly. Okay. So, last episode we talked about programming interviews. Yes. So that for, so for starters, do you remember in the middle of the episode where we were talking about like the questions? I think that you 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 said they were Microsoft questions. I ended up looking them up afterwards to find out yeah, what yeah. the answers really were. So the the one that you mentioned about the the um, manhole covers that which was the yeah. title of the episode. Why are manhole covers around? And the answer you gave was because they can't, like, fall in on themselves. Yeah. And I figured out why. If you take a square, which is a simple, like, you know, shape, I guess, Mm. and then turn it up on its edge and rotate it about 45 degrees. Yeah, you can fit it through itself. You can fit it through itself.
1: That's what I tried to say in the episode. Yeah.
0: So I didn't get that until afterwards, mostly because when you're recording a podcast and you're thinking about, like, so many other things, it's hard to, like, get everything straight in your head. Yeah, just like an interview. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I thought about that. And then I I, I thought about the the one that you, the first one you mentioned, which
1: was like... have been shrunk down and you find yourself stuck at the bottom of a blender.
0: Yes. So I've seen, I I saw it online uh, in different ways. And the
1: answer is basically you become Ant-Man. Yeah. So you're super strong. So you can jump higher. Is that the theory?
0: Yeah. So you can jump because of the way that physics works because I I guess physics is a thing that you have to know to be uh, a computer programmer Uh, physics because of the way the physics works apparently if you shrink a person down theoretically uh, they keep their same mass or something or other and that means that they keep their same like level of jumping power and I don't know and then like they can just jump and you'll jump just as high as you would if you were full size which means that you can just jump out of the blender (laughs)
1: You're hired! (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's just... Oh, man. And I think there's been studies shown, or studies have shown, that those type of questions are completely useless for finding genuine talent.
0: Oh, they don't... What do they even mean? Like, okay, sure, I
1: become Ant-Man.
0: That's good. You know that I'm a hero. Uh, I can save the world
1: from, I don't know, ants? Oh, I mean, like, if Microsoft gets hit with a shrink ray... (laughs) At least all their engineers will be standing around going, don't worry, everyone, we got this. We can still jump a high. <laughs> yep. And they'll they, all be prepared.
0: And they won't go near any blenders. Yeah. Hot tip there. <laughs> we got them all on this show. So on Twitter, we got we got a tweet. Jared KG asked, at 3.15, how many degrees are between the minute and the hour hand?
1: At 3.15, how many degrees are between the minute and the hour hand? Yeah. Yeah. You would have to sit down and work it out. Are you just meant to do it off your head? I guess you could.
0: Oh, I mean, it's a, it it seems like it's an interview question.
1: That's the that's theory. Oh, I can do it on paper. I can't do it in my head. It's 7.5. Yeah, it's 360 divided by 12 divided by 4. Is that 7.5? Yes. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I did it! 360, 360, by, 360 by, yeah. divided by 12 divided by 4. Okay. Nailed it. I got the job. I'm giving it to myself. (laughs) You're hired myself. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to do a job yourself. (sighs) What's that saying?
0: If you want it done right, you got to do it yourself or something? Yeah. Yeah. That's what
1: I'm going with. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see how this works. That's what I do in all interviews. I just get people in. (laughs) And and then then you hire yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're obviously not as good as me. I'm hiring myself. Get out. (laughs) That seems harsh, man. Harsh.
0: <laughs> harsh. Not at all what I expected after your your explanation on your on your practices last week.
1: That was just to lure them in. Oh,
0: I see. I see. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on, because we got at least one person kind of saying that, you know, it made it, we made it seem like coding interviews are really
1: difficult. They are kind of difficult. They're, yeah, there's no... They, if you end up in one of those, like, technical ones with the big companies... They are difficult. <laughs> There's
0: yeah, no hiding that. But that doesn't preclude the fact that you know other places will have less stringent requirements for their interviews. I mean, f- you explained how y- you do it and have tried it, and most, I think, most places that like they don't necessarily do the full tech tech interview. I've definitely. I mean, my first coding job, like my actual first coding job, was in the public service, and I tell you i didn't go through i can tell you now i didn't go through um a like a technical interview like that i just went through a regular old kind of like job interview yeah
1: the public service are weird like they do even stranger interview practices
0: well they do like they do a thing where they have what are they called selection criteria they're called selection criteria and I think they are starting to move away from these because they're ridiculous. But they had they they require you to like fill out effectively like short essays.
1: Yeah, because people who can write essays are real good programmers. I
0: mean, yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. And then and it's it's always like, you know, d- during my entire stint in in the public service, like I ha- I was always like a like a non ongoing contractor, which meant that I had to like renew my contract every like every six months or 12 months or whatever and i always had to write these freaking things out and uh they're always they're always questions that have nothing to do with the job that you actually do they're always about like just basically moving up in the public service
1: yeah and they tend to be at least the ones i've seen are all about like australia's needs in the like geopolitical climate (laughs) or like (laughs) And it's like this has nothing to do with what I do. Give us an example of when you've worked well with your team. Hmm. Mm. Every day.
0: No, it's not Full enough stop. words. You need to you need to be very specific, give explicit uh examples uh that you can refer back to and then like explain very well as to like why that was good. And, okay, okay. Yeah.
1: So for example, yesterday I was sitting at my desk. I was with my team, my, my team of four. Yeah. And I looked up at the clock, right? Yeah. The time was 3.15. <laughs> and you know what I said? There are seven and a half degrees between those two hands. And my team looked at me and said, wow, you deserve to be promoted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. No, you're definitely not getting fired anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you keep a job. You just every now and then you just tell your team like how many degrees are between the minute and the hour hand on the on the that's clock. That's gonna be my go-to <laughs>
1: fact from <laughs> now on. I reckon. <laughs>
0: oh, that's great. Anyway, I uh, I think that's all the 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 kind of follow-up-ish stuff that we've got. I I, I mean, the end result I think is that you should definitely. I mean there's no harm in trying there's no harm in going and doing like going through the interview process if that's something that you're interested in doing if you are interested in working for um goo book twipple, twipple then you know you should do as much you know preparation as you possibly can do and just kind of go for it because yeah I mean yeah don't like don't don't feel let the like fear the...
1: control you yeah yeah, so deep yeah i, th- I... That's not my saying, I think that's a pretty common one,
0: but if you if you're shrunken and put into a a well of fear, you can just jump out well, it might be too deep <laughs> well, I mean, you could probably jump on somebody else's shoulders
1: and then jump out, mm, yeah, I mean, programming's all about working in a team, right so that's,
0: that's pair programming right there,
1: yeah, yeah, that's it. you're hired sweet.
0: So what have you got for us, Ben? This is, this is your chance to share with us the topic that you've always wanted to do.
1: Well, I've mentioned this topic a lot, I think, in the history of this show. But it's always like a passing reference or I always say, go and read the book. But I've never really talked about a lot of the things in the book. So I thought I'd do that today. So today's episode is pragmatic programming.
0: Ah, oh, right. Of and course. I think
1: I think it's also got a subtitle of like from journeyman to master. So
0: where are you in the in the scale that is journeyman
1: to master? Well, I don't think you can ever be a master of programming. Okay, so like so, journey, so
0: journeyman then.
1: I like to think I'm better than a beginner. I think I got that bit nailed, but I don't know where I am on that. The rest of the scale. Fair, fair enough. I th- I think you know what you know what I've heard said before. This isn't in the book, but if you think you're a master programmer, you're probably an intermediate. Right. And then when you realize that it cannot be mastered, that means you have transcended to the next level. So maybe I am at the next level. That is I don't like know. that is like super I've deep. confused myself. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I, I like, this is like a philosophy podcast now, I think.
1: Yes, we're pivoting right at the end. <laughs> okay,
0: so pragmatic programming.
1: What What's it about? What's it about? So basically, it's a book that you read if you want to become better at programming, I guess. But the difference is, it's not really like... It doesn't focus on a language, so you can read it no matter what kind of programming you do.
0: It's PHP 5.
1: Yes. P- pretty sure it's that's p- the
0: only programming book I actually own, is one on PHP 5.
1: Well, this pragmatic programming works great with PHP 5. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Putting that on the record. Um, so it's a, it's like... It's a set of 70 points, actually. 70 things you can try and focus on, which is a lot. But maybe pick the ones that you think feel most relevant to you. Right. Yeah, that you can just work on in your programming life. Some of them relate to being in a team. Some of them relate to just things you do on your own. Yeah. So I thought I'd pick out a few of my favorites or the ones that I guess I remember. So reading this book, I really feel like it improved my programming and like my general career. So like suddenly a lot of things that kind of felt like I knew that was a good thing, but like, I don't know why, or I kind of did that in the back of my head, but I'd never really realized it was a rule. Yeah. This book helped explain them to me. And after I read it, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. So each point is a short rule. And then there's a big explanation about why that rule is and stuff like that. But if you just remember the the points, then even that will strengthen your code. And even if you only remember a few of them, like that's that's an improvement as well. Mm. All right, so I've picked out I don't know how many. It looks like maybe 15. So let's let's get started. So, okay. The first the first point in the whole book, care about your craft. And I think if you're reading the book, you're probably at least interested in starting to care if mm. you don't already care. Okay. Um, yep. I, that one's pretty self-explanatory. If you care about your work, you're going to do good work.
0: It's the sort of thing that if you don't care about the work that you do, then maybe you're not even cut out for it in the first place. Like, maybe you should be doing something that you do care about. And that's, I mean, that's going into a dangerous kind of territory. Yeah, this is
1: getting deeper again. Well, it's going into
0: that dangerous territory of, like, you know, if you love your job, then you'll never work a day in your life or whatever it is. Yeah. Which is completely untrue. Um yep. because you will work because some days you might love your job you, you might love your job, but
1: some days it will just feel like a job. Yeah, it's just feels like a job. There's actually a really good video by Mike Rowe, The Dirty Jobs. Have you ever watched Dirty Jobs? Dirt, no. Dirty Jobs. It's a show about a guy who goes and does really dirty jobs that most people would be like, Why would you ever do that job? But someone's gotta do it, right? Like the right. guy who Fixes the leak at the bottom of the sewage tank, stuff like that, oh geez. or the guy who yeah. empties the uh excrement from a plane after a flight, so he goes and does all the does all these jobs and like and that's the show, but there's a cool video that he did. I remember it popping up maybe sometime this year about why not to follow your dreams when it comes to your job. I'd recommend watching it anyway, that's off topic. We'll throw it in the shutters, yeah, okay, so the next point is number three from the book. Provide options, don't make lame excuses. So this one's also pretty obvious. But instead of saying that can't be done, say what can be done. So too many people will just be like, you can't do that. It's impossible. But instead of saying that, try and say, we can't do that, but here's how we can get pretty close to that. Or even try and understand, say like you're talking, I always see this from like my point of view is talking to clients. Try and understand why they want to do that, even if it's impossible. And if you can understand that root cause of what they want to do, then you can probably suggest a better way that's actually, you know, a native paradigm on the on your OS or whatever you're developing for.
0: Yeah. I mean, that comes that kind of works through all levels of, like, building apps, right? Um, it's not just to do with, like, you know, solving specific code-related problems. That's right. If the client wants a particular feature and, like, you can't implement it, then you've got to think about, you know, how do you, like, how do you design... To make that kind of work without like actually implementing that exact thing yeah too. you know it's just a, it's a matter of uh making sure that you understand what needs to like what you actually need to be producing which is something that I've always tried to do I've never necessarily understood like the underlying stuff that I'm working with the public service job that I mentioned before yeah I worked in a science organization I understood nothing. As to what, like the, <laughs> as to the like the data and the stuff like that I was working with, but I I knew, well, I thought I knew how to make you know decent, uh, you know decent user interfaces and make things, uh, make things easy to use. So that's what I kind of put my expertise towards, and you know I didn't need to necessarily know all the different ins and outs, but I could figure out like how to get things, how to give them what they needed without necessarily giving them what they've asked for.
1: Yeah. So I see this one popping up all the time um like it's kind of cuz it's not impossible what they want to do, but yeah. I find clients always want to front load an app with instructions.
0: Oh. No.
1: I know. Um and it's because that you know they've given it to their friend or something and the the friend has found it hard to use and the person the client has had to explain something and then they're like, "Well, if I have to explain this, we should put the explanation in the app." And they don't make the connection to, well, maybe the design's wrong then. Like, <laughs> yeah. if we can make the yes. design better, we won't need to explain it. Yes. But that's a very hard point to get across. Like, it takes a, you almost got to prove it by doing it. But then you might fail because you might do it and then it's still hard to understand. Yeah. But yeah, that that's the kind of stuff I mean. So you try and understand the the root cause of why the person is asking for this if it is impossible. Mm. And there's probably a better solution. That is very possible and quite easy. Indeed. All right. Number four in the book is, I like this one, don't live with broken windows. So if you had a broken window in your house, you would probably, it. especially if it was in your bedroom, <laughs> yep. you would fix it, right? Yeah. The same applies to your code. Don't just leave that broken stuff in there. Make it a priority to fix it before it gets worse. You know, before the before the storm comes and like your house is flooded, you, you fix it early and you'll be fine. Basically,
0: it's it's one of those things where um it it's kind of forward thinking. It's very that's very forward thinking because the the stuff that you it it's all about like making sure that you stay on top of the maintenance. I guess Yep. Does that make sense? Like if you just kind of go, yep, I've solved that. I never need to look at that code again. And it's, you know, that you, you start discovering bugs in it and never fix them because, well, I, you know, I'm just, this is not a priority. I just need, don't need to do it. Yeah. Feature, you went, feature,
1: feature. Yeah. Got to put in new features. You end
0: up with all of this kind of um, backlog of stuff. Yep. And, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not good. It's not good. It just, it, it makes it harder. Like you, you end up, it, it not only doesn't mean that you've got bugs in your code, it makes it harder to go back and like you have to, like, you know, solve, uh, solve a problem and all of a sudden it it's actually this giant task.
1: The next one, number eight from the book, is invest regularly in your knowledge portfolio. Which pretty much as programmers, right, we have a toolbox of a ways we can solve problems. So we should never forget about adding tools to that toolbox if possible. If you can learn something new, even if it seems irrelevant at the moment, it might help you in the future. So that's basically yeah. what it's saying there. Make learning a habit.
0: Make learning your habit,
1: And that follows into the next point. Number nine is critically analyze what you read and hear. So don't be swayed by vendors' media hype or celebrity developer hype even. The book doesn't actually say celebrity developers, but I think that's like really relevant. In, this well, book was I, written I, like in the 80s or something.
0: Yeah, I, th- before, I think it's Before relevant, Twitter, yeah.
1: it's, definitely it's relevant. very relevant now. Like, yeah. there's definitely um, well-known developers out there. I always call them the cool kids <laughs> who will say, if you're still using... Blah, you're terrible. Like that is the worst. And I think this happens a lot in like web development, right? I swear oh, there's a yes. new JavaScript super, framework.
0: Super web development.
1: Every week. Yeah. Um anyway, so like don't just jump on the latest cool fad. Actually analyze it in terms of how it would work in your project or what you work on. Yeah. And do that. And a great way to do that, which is one of the points from the book, I didn't write down which one it was. Um is prototyping. So, just prototype small ideas, which I think a lot of developers do anyway. We always in our heads go, "Yeah, this is going to be like the best next app," and we never release it. But at least if you're me, you don't.
0: <laughs>
1: um, we do you release anything? I don't. I don't even know. Yeah, man, I have one app. <laughs> it's very popular. Um, it's had at least a hundred downloads. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, I'm very proud um, of you, man. I'm proud of you. you. Thank you. But. At least I go through, at least I tend to go through the prototyping phase where I try something new. Yeah. And that's the most important part. Like, even if you get no monetary value out of your latest, greatest side app idea, the fact that you've prototyped it and if you tried a new technique in that prototype, you, there's worth in that because you now know whether it was good or bad, like you might have tried it and go, this is horrible. All those cool kids are totally wrong. Yep, You know that. You proved it to yourself. You actually went and did it rather than just saying Nah, it's definitely horrible. You went, sat down, gave it a go, and you discovered it was horrible. Or you might surprise yourself and be like, "Wow, actually this is pretty good." They know what they're talking about.
0: So after the episode that we had, that I had recently with Casey, where we talked a bit about RX Swift, mm-hmm. I've done exactly this point, and I've tried. Like, I actually sat down with a new project that I'm been work- that I started working on, and tried out RX Swift. Yeah, how did this you is. Go? A, I I ended up hitting a lot of walls. Um, yeah. So the end RX, result was, yeah, I didn't. It wasn't great. I, I hit a lot of walls, and I think it's partially because I tried to dive into too many things, too many new things at once. Yeah. I don't know. The, I just really felt like I couldn't find anything, like anything to help me solve the problem. So I think I need to kind of go back and and actually like do some planning. But. um you know, that that that's exactly the sort of thing that I like to do when I start a new project is, you know, add something new into the mix and see, like, see if that's, you know, going to make any difference. GIF wrapped is the sort of the sort of application where it's so like it's gotten to the point where it's so complex now that just like I, there's no way that I'm going to add like, you know, I'll just throw in RX Swift, why not? And yeah. use, it, use it for this one thing. I'd much rather like try it out on something, try that out on something new, try it out on something where. There's no nothing bad that will happen if, if 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 I I mess something up and so so it's it's starting like new projects is kind of useful for that I think like just small things and prototyping and doing that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. So I've been playing around with React Native recently because a lot of people seem to be using it and I've never believed in the write once run anywhere sort of thing because you always end up with something that's worse than if you would just written it properly on whatever you're targeting right. Yeah. But what I've come to realize recently, especially with, like, my side apps that never get released, is I have very limited time. And if I could actually get something out there, maybe it's worth having not quite a good, you know, end product. Like, is something out there that's not, not quite as good as if I had written it natively for both major, you know, Android iOS. Is it better to have one app that is at least released and not as good as it could be compared to two apps that are never released? All that Right. Was the, that was the hypothesis like i was like i'll play around with react native and see if see if i can get anything out that's that's good i couldn't <laughs> was, the, was the end <laughs> result <laughs> i right. still i right. still think it's going to happen one day but right now like the android side was just like the ios side is pretty good yep like you can actually get a very like nice looking app out of it yep but the android side was weak as and i think the problem with these like right once run anywhere things fall apart is the the ui and the like ux paradigms on both platforms are so different like android doesn't even have a navigation controller for instance i mean you can make it if you want but there is no animate across like your page pushes across with a back button that pushes back yeah i I, and that's like, like fundamental to ios
0: i mean the difference between android and ios is kind of like the difference between ios and mac right yeah. And you can theoretically write an app that works on both iOS and Mac. It's just like they're technically different apps because I guess they have different like user interface and stuff like that, but like you can all of your underlying code and all of your underlying logic can work. So I I yeah. I, I feel like it's where where you share those things.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it even says that like on the front page of the React Native website in that they recommend you write different UI layers for each platform. Yeah. And then share your logic like business logic code i think i I find with apps though the majority of the work is in the ui layer like the logic at least for me tends to be the easy part i can generally bash that out pretty quick but then you spend ages playing around with the ui and stuff right getting it to like look nice and perform well and flow right yeah and so i'm not really saving that much time by using these like right wants things
0: well, I, mean, I think it depends I think it depends on what you've what, like what you're building like if you 've got a simple app uh, and like your user user interface is most of the most of the app, then sure, but like there are apps out there that have complex underpinnings yeah i mean that's even true. like a, even something as simple as like a Twitter application like needs to be able to do things like you know um pull in the tweets and um, you know sort them and you know inter splice them if you want to use a unified timeline and like the, the underlying stuff can get pretty pretty complex
1: yeah definitely so i know dropbox shares code with c plus plus between ios and android realm does realm yep. is like built with a c plus plus i'm pretty sure it's c plus plus whatever it is they share like the core yep so yeah if you're doing something complex there's definitely solutions but yeah. anyway, that's off topic again. Yeah, it, is, it is. But that's what I found out. Like I sat down, gave it a go, came up with my own opinion. Yeah. And currently, my opinion is it's still not good enough, which was really disappointing to me because I was like, "This is it. I'm going to release something. This time I got it." And I didn't. I didn't got it. This is me every time I try storyboards, by the way. Just every single yeah.
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like. I, I like. I've definitely said to you at least a couple of times. I think I think this year I can use storyboards. I think I can do it this year. Because they
1: like after dub dub. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then I sit down and I try it. I'm like, yeah, this is this is like still so far away. <laughs> yeah. Uh sadness. Okay.
1: Moving on. Number 10 is a is a bit more philosophical, but it's it's like re- relates to your whole life, I think, rather than just just programming. Um and that's it's both what you say and the way you say it. Communication. Communication is key. Mm. there is a way to tell someone their code isn't working that's not this code is the worst code i've ever seen you shouldn't call yourself a developer get out of my my office you know <laughs> what i mean
0: yeah <laughs> like, I, know, I know what you mean yeah no i I've, I've i don't know if you've ever had to sit down with like a a, a developer who was not necessarily particularly um i've mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, definitely done that like i mean I, a lot of my a lot of my time has been in like the web kind of you know doing web stuff obviously and, you know, you get, you get developers in the web industry that not are not really developers. Like they're just, you know, they're just people who have picked up, you know, uh, enough HTML and JavaScript code to be able to like, uh, you know, to be able to kind of put something together. Sometimes I've had to like teach basic stuff to developers who have, you know, who have like, who work on stuff on, you know, every day. And the way that. I've always found the best to go around that is to is not to like be confrontational or even like even not to be like direct about it. It's to ask questions.
1: That's good. I like that.
0: You know, because I can I can come up to you and I can say, "Oh, this code that you've written here, uh, th- this this bit here where you where you're looping over a, an an array, uh, you th- you don't need to do that. You can just do this." But you walk away and you don't know anything. It's that whole
1: like you know, you teach a man to fish. Mm-hmm. Thing you know, yep. Give a man a fish, he's what yeah. is it? Satisfied for a day. Teach a man to fish, he's satisfied for life. Yeah, something like
0: that. So what you have to do is you have to ask. Like you know, this array that you're looping over here. Why have you done it that way?
1: Yeah, and also when you ask questions, you might find you actually learn something yourself. So you might go into it thinking, "Why would you do that?" Yeah, and you might walk out thinking. Well, now I know why. <laughs> That's well, that, actually yeah, pretty exactly. good.
0: <laughs> you know, and like it, asking, questions is, is, uh, asking questions is a safe way to do it, especially if you ask the right questions um, because you don't like being direct about something, being like just basically coming in and just make, stating something as if it's fact, you, might, you don't know the full extent.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, and asking the right questions. It's definitely key there because you can still ask some pretty bad questions like, "What are you stupid? Yeah, well, where that... did you learn to program from the back <laughs> of a cereal box?"
0: Yeah, no, sp- like <laughs> ask questions about the code, not about their intelligence. Yeah. That's okay. that's that's a pretty ah, good tip.
1: That's yeah, I like that. That can be tip ten point five. Yeah, cool. All right, moving on. Number eleven is the dry principle. I don't know. I doubt this book invented it, but you have you heard of the dry principle? You would have if I spelled out dry. Is is this
0: where you don't like pour water
1: on your laptop? Yes, correct. It's <laughs> an important skill for a programmer to learn. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's don't repeat yourself. Right. So try to remove the copy paste thing from your toolbox. Copy paste is generally pretty bad. Like sometimes copy paste is all right. Like copying code from one spot and pasting in another. Yeah. But I it's don't... very rare. Especially I, if it's in the same file,
0: I yeah I don't I, I try not to do it. I try to stay away from it. I
1: yeah I I, I think yeah I mean
0: I think I've had a conversation with a Russell R- Russell Ivanovich. He mm-hmm. tends to copy and paste between projects. I think yeah I'm kind of iffy about that, but I I, I can see how that kind of works. Hi Russell, I uh, you know it, it it kind of like. Uh, it kind of lives on the edge of my of, of what I would deem acceptable. Um
1: I can, I can see that one being acceptable.
0: But uh but when it comes to like doing stuff within a project, no. Like within like one particular thing. I mean if it's if it's complex enough, make it its own class, if it's not that complex, make it a function or maybe a method on a class or something. Yeah, like some know. sort of
1: static static method. If, yeah. if that's all it is. Um, but I, the key to all these points is you got to be pragmatic, right? So don't waste a week working out how not to copy paste something. If it's going to take you a week to refactor the entire thing just so that you didn't copy paste, that you're doing it wrong. I think that's the kind of the point with all of this. Yeah, it's we're in the real world. There's like deadlines to be met, real artists ship, and all that. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of how I read that one.
0: Fair, fair enough, fair enough. I, I mean, I'm. I'm king of copy and paste, honestly. Mind, mind you, I do. I, I do actually do it between between projects. I will go through like all. I have all my old old code. Like I have code from like that I wrote in like 2002. Yeah. And I will go back through it if I if I need to and find a piece of code that I wrote that I can like pull forwards and um and use. So I I try I I take that one quite seriously.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Number 13. Eliminate effects between unrelated things. So that's kind of self-explanatory as well. But if it's not obvious that something should have an effect on something else, then it shouldn't, basically. So, setting some text on a label shouldn't call the network to download the formatting stuff, for instance. That yep. was a complete made-up example, but you're trying to get you get what I mean, right?
0: Right. Each piece of like, I mean, it's that's kind of classic, it's classic, like, I don't know, object-oriented programming, like this idea that, you know, everything is its own thing.
1: Yeah. Side effects are bad. Yeah. I think it's just programming in general.
0: Yeah. Functional programming.
1: Yeah. uh, Trying to Try and remove uh, them anyway.
0: Reactive programming is kind of all like that, yep.
1: I think it's just a self-explanatory one. Like, it's just a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Cool. All right, next one. Number 18, estimate to avoid surprises. So I put this one in because a lot of the time things can seem either really easy up front and turn out to be really hard or really hard up front and turn out to be easy. And I find that just sitting down and trying to estimate the effort something takes, and this is also good just for like project management, if you're trying to like estimate a job or whatever, sitting down and breaking the task up into small tasks yep. and thinking about how you would do it, a lot of the time you quickly realize something especially if you can talk it out loud to someone else who might have you know different opinions and say like oh but why don't we just do this and then you'll say oh that's a great idea that's so much easier than what i thought or so
0: talking about it out loud
1: to my cat doesn't count no definitely that that does count (laughs) Oh right, okay good that's rubber duck debugging all right that's like (laughs) the same thing you can just saying things out loud like just talking to yourself talking to your rubber duck talking to your cat it helps. It's weird, but it works. Right. Just, just give it a go one day. Just sit there and talk out your problem. It's like, you know, when you ask, do you ever ask your someone else, like, I've got this problem, let me explain it to you, and you just end up talking, and then the other person barely says anything, and then you walk away going, that was so helpful, I think I've solved it now. <laughs> yes, I've had that, <laughs> definitely had that before.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> That kind of comes into this point as well. Just just doing that up front, I find really helps. Slow down, think about the problem, and you might discover a solution that you wouldn't have got to if you just started hacking away on your keyboard.
0: Yeah, I think we've talked like we've talked about that before. Um the concept of like not rushing in, not coding in reaction to the things that you come across. Yeah. We've talked about that before, where like you should spend time thinking about your code and not just writing your code, because if you're just always writing your code, then you're going to code yourself into like problems. Yep. And if you actually spend time kind of working through it, you're less likely to do so. It's not always unavoidable, because sometimes you just, like, you'll continue to follow the same path if you don't think it through enough.
1: Yeah. But it's helpful. Yeah. I agree. All right. Number 20, keep knowledge in plain text. And... Some people might see this as a bit technophobic, but basically the idea is plain text will always work and knowledge is like really important. So you don't want to be making your documentation say in some custom format that might disappear in a few years, even if it seems really solid. Like plain text is never going anywhere is the idea. So markdown's good too because you know it's still plain text. Anyone can read it
0: if you want to move Make it so that you've got your like documentation or whatever in a particular format, like you want to do it in a fancy format find a way find a tool to like turn turn it from plain text into that format not exactly yeah like, yeah yeah you know, that that's, that that's actually comes to...
1: into one of the, one of the other points ooh ooh. um, uh, which is the next one <laughs> so that's <laughs> convenient what? so twenty one is use the power of command shells and this is exactly like what you were talking about automate so all the you things. can. Yeah, you can automate. You can write scripts. Manual is basically bad. Manual processes are bad, which is another point. Did I put that one down? No. But anyway, that's another point. Manual processes are prone to error. Scripts do things as soon as you get the script working. That is, which can take a while sometimes. Yeah. Um. But once you've got it, they do the same thing well time after time after time. They don't make mistakes. Yeah. As long as the script is good, which is as a big, it's... which is a big. I guess, assumption there, but
0: yeah. <clears throat> well, as long as the things that it relies on also don't change. True.
1: <laughs> Everything anyway. is just so, leave it that way. Never update Ex- Xcode again. Oh, the, the Xcode. It, the updates are making it worse. Like I'm still angry about Xcode. Anyway, that's a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> Let's go back to Xcode like 4. I think that was when it was good. See, I was fine with
0: 7. I think 8 has definitely had a lot of problems. They're all the early versions do, but it's just like... Yeah, but we're not on early versions anymore. Like, we're on, like, 8.2
1: now. I think they're, t- they're beta testing. It's still it's still not good. Like, I still How have... can you not debug Swift yet? Like, I don't, half the time printout doesn't work. I or don't, print objects. No,
0: so. I don't. I don't know. I
1: still run into problems where,
0: like, I'll be writing... I'll be halfway through writing a piece of code and just formatting will stop working oh yeah my current favorite my current favorite is that i'll just be sitting there writing my code and all of a sudden like my autocomplete stops working like it just starts spitting back like like garbage like it it actually does come up with with suggestions but it's things that a i don't even know what they are and b they are not even slightly close to what i'm actually typing
1: yeah they seems to be like c functions and stuff yeah, it's like It starts what, suggesting like really low level things. It,
0: it seems to be when like Xcode is like indexing and it just will sit indexing for like hours if I let it. Yeah. So I like have to like restart Xcode completely to and like it'll like be okay. Okay, I'm I'm good now. I'm good. But it always takes me like 20 minutes to figure it out because I'm like why isn't this working? Clean 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 project, clean project. It's not working. It's not working.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, just ah oh. Never hey, back. speaking <laughs> speaking of um command shells yeah. and how annoying Xcode is, yeah. I tried out the other day Swift format from Nick Lockwood. Oh yeah, I I tried that too. So good! It it's like good. infinitely better than the broken Xcode one. Which if you try and format a um a closure that's got or like a function that's got two closures in it, it just you know in, indents across the oh, page. And yeah, it looks, I hate I hate that. Looks horrible. So annoying. Swift so format does not do that. It's awesome, and it's also opinionated, which I like. There's like almost no options. Yeah, I, I but think the I think defaults of the were good.
0: I think a couple of the opinions I'm not I'm not cool with, but you know, I'm I'm okay with that. I, I, think, I, stopped, <laughs> I think I stopped using it because the uh, because the opinions were not as per my desire. But th- it turns out like not didn't take very long for me to figure out that there are other like
1: other variations of this same sort of thing out there. So that was cool. That was cool yeah. to find out. Cool. So the next one, number twenty-three. We talked about this one two weeks ago. No, four weeks ago. Always use source control. Yay, yeah. source control. It's so easy to set up source control. Like if you're using Git, you can literally type Git in it. You're done. I yeah. mean, it's not going to go off to a server, but that's that's it. Just commit as you go. One day you'll thank yourself. Is all I'm going to say. We talked about that uh, already, so we can probably keep going. Number 24 is fix the problem, not the blame. So if you've found a bug and your first instinct is to use git blame, which shows you who made the bug, there's no need to go and shout at them, basically. That does nothing. Yeah, if you fix the problems as you come across them. And this, this applies not just to bugs, right? Yeah. But if you find, like, if you're working in a file and something's not quite right, just fix it as you come across it. And if you slowly do that, your code over time will just get better. Don't go changing the architecture or something. Like, don't be some, you know, the whole actor in an MVC and you come along and you're working in a file and you're like, this is horrible. I'm just gonna switch this one to model view view model. That's a bit extreme. But <laughs> if it's like something small or maybe just the methods are a bit too long, just clean it up a bit. Clean up as you go. And that's that's really what this point is about.
0: This is something that I come across all the time doing freelance work right like i'll come in and i'll work on a project that's kind of existed for a while and it's not necessarily a good project it's kind of like there is some really bad kind of problems with it and one might be tempted to try to like solve all the problems yeah But that doesn't necessarily work. I've always found that like dealing with freelance code, like dealing with other people's code on a freelance basis, coming in, working for a couple of days, whatever, just light light touch, light touch. No, like don't be going crazy with stuff. If you find a problem that's really easy to solve, then that might be okay. If you can like fix a method that's sometimes returning problematic code or whatever, I don't know. Solve that stuff. Don't go changing like everything. If the code yeah. is not formatted in the way that you particularly like, that's okay. It's okay. Semicolons, you know, if people sometimes people still use them. You can just kind of just go with the flow, and you'll be a happier you'll be a happier person for it. That's it.
1: That's it. I watched a talk ages ago, so we'll never be able to find a link to it. But it was from basically a a performance consultant and this this guy is brought in and it was actually related to game development um so you know they've someone's made this game these are and these are like big studio style things so like you know huge teams um and his job is to come in and fix the bits that are really slowing everything down and he had a, he said a really good point which kind of stuck with me so his whole job is working with other people's code basically yeah and so yeah. for most people that's an enraging experience they always think oh, these developers are idiots, why would they ever do this? But his philosophy is there's always a reason for everything he's reading. And that reason might be that they just didn't know. But still, he he gives them the benefit of the doubt. He assumes they were good engineers and that probably like there was time pressure or, you know? So like he doesn't just change things because he first tries to understand the reason why it's like that. I thought that was really good. I thought that was like quite a good philosophy to have.
0: I think it's an important philosophy to have if you're debugging code in general, right? Like I mean, if there's a bug with the code, it doesn't necessarily mean that the code is all bad, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the bug is where the co- where the bug is showing up, right? And I think yeah. I think I've talked about this before, like um you might have a method and sometimes it you know, it, like if you pass in a particular value, uh it should be returning nil, but it's not returning nil, it's returning some other value. And you might be like, "Oh well, I'll just I'll just fix that by adding like a return, like an if if then return." Like I'll just you know type that in here. But the actual problem might be like further up the chain. And if you don't actually spend time like considering why the code is why the code is why the code, yep, um, you might never actually find the actual problem. And really, you haven't fixed a bug. You've just kind of like
1: bandaided it.
0: Well, yeah, like you've just kind of like covered the bug. It's like it's it's gonna
1: like have little bug babies. It's a band aid solution. Yeah, you just kind of hidden chucked a sheet over it, you've (laughs) hidden the problem. Yep, yep, cool. Next one, we've talked about this one quite a bit before. This is probably the one that stuck in my head the most. So, I read this book like 10 years ago or something, and these next two are the two that for whatever reason are the ones I remembered the most. Mm. Um, so number 32 is Crash Early, Crash Often, Mm. which when you just read the headline sounds awful, (laughs) but the point is a dead program normally does a lot less damage than a crippled program. So if you have got to a point in your program, which as you were coding, you thought was impossible, you should crash. You should just crash right there because who knows what the hell's happened. If you thought it was impossible when you were coding it and it's happened, then something very bad and very wrong has happened, right? So you may as well just bail because before you know it, you've wiped all the data from the phone or something ridiculous.
0: Well, on Android, maybe. Not on iOS. <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> but you could wipe you know, the data
0: from within your app.
1: Yeah, so the, the point after this one, so the two are related, is use assertions to prevent the impossible. So that's a way to, cr- to crash. So yep. anytime you drop a comment in saying, you know, like you've done a switch statement or whatever, and you've covered every case, and you put the default on, and a lot of people just put a comment in there and that says, this should be impossible. Throw a cert in there. Like, it's never going to hit it anyway, right? That's the theory. Yeah. So if it does hit it, you want to know about it. You right, should crash. Exactly.
0: And I mean, if you're using, like, crash logging tools, like, crashing crashing means that you're going to find out about them, right? Like, even if you're using Xcode's built-in stuff, which is mm-hmm. not, not great, but, you know, go for it, you know, it, that stuff, like, that stuff helps. Like, it, having crashes kind of can help it. It can be seen like it's definitely seen as a bad thing because oh you never want to crash the you never want to crash the app while the user because you'll throw the user off and they won't want to use your app anymore. Well, yeah, maybe if you have like a hundred thousand crashes, but not if they yeah. crash like you know, occasionally. How how many times have you opened up an app uh, that you can recall and it's crashed once and never again, and then and you've kind of gone well that was a terrible app. Like yeah, I mean it's not like it it's not about how how like about crashing it's about being you know being a good quality app
1: yeah and it's like all about coding defensively and stuff yeah and i think the thing to remember is we code apps we're not working on like the space program so
0: nobody's gonna die (laughs) yeah
1: right like crashing an (laughs) app isn't that bad hopefully hopefully your app is not on some nasa rocket (laughs) um But that's my point, like, Like, if you are are working on something, yes, true, if you are working on something that is, like, system critical and people's lives are on the line, maybe you can ignore this point. I'll give you a pass on that. Well, I don't necessarily think that you can,
0: right? Like, if you, like, you should make sure that your software is, and I think this is the pragmatic kind of side of this thing, right? Like, it's. Crashing crashing early, crashing often doesn't necessarily mean just like, well, throw your hands up in the air, let's just, That's just true. bail. You can uh, have like
1: fallback options.
0: You know, you can you can actually do things that can like resolve the problem without without just being like, well, just bail. Everybody dive out of the train.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that I think that even might be another point, but there's kinda like a point to design with failure in mind. Yeah. So when you're coding up a system, design thinking like what happens if this fails? And Netflix are famous for this. So they have their, I can't remember what they call it, but they have a process running on their server that will just randomly shut down stuff. So it will just randomly fail components that are working perfectly fine so that their engineers code with that in mind, right? Because one day that system will fail for real. Yeah, right. And it's a, it's a cool theory. Like, So they they're always taking things down and they have backups, they have redundancies um and so you never notice like from the outside but there are like constant not planned but there are constant failures of systems that Netflix and a whole pile of other companies do this strategy to so that they are constantly testing their their system
0: yeah and i think it comes down to like it, it kind of comes through on a lot of other things as well like i mean if you think about what can go wrong with a system i mean it doesn't necessarily even need to be like you know crashing it can be things like for instance, the YouTube comments. Like, yep. did anybody at YouTube think about what could go wrong when they put their commenting system in? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's the sort of thing where it, it kind of goes much further than, than just like, you know, well, an if then, like an if-else statement, right? Like, I, I, yep. I think you can go a lot further with it. And if you think about the problems that you're potentially creating with your solution, because no solution is perfect, right? Every solution creates new problems at least in my experience. So, like, you know, spend some time. Think about your code. Think about what you're writing. I think this is, yeah, this is my kind of my thing.
1: Yeah, I like it. Next one is number 44, don't program by coincidence. So this one is a cool point, which a lot of, I think a lot of people work out themselves over time because they do program by coincidence and then it bites them, like, later on. Yep. But this one kind of comes up, like, let's say you have a button that sometimes you want it to do one thing and other times you want it to do another thing. Yep. Find out like a good way of working that out. Don't realize in your head that hey, every time say I have a label on screen that says error, I want the button to do this. Like that's just a coincidence. Don't program like that. So it, it I really see it coming up all the time where using view logic to power I guess controller logic. It, that's the wrong way around. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean you, you find the you find the thing that's common to both of those things, right? Like you would go deeper. I feel yes. like that's the that's the solution. That's then. pretty
1: much always the solution. So if it is true that every time there's an error, you have a label on screen that says error, and you want the button to do this, maybe program it on the fact that you have an error variable rather than this text on the screen that says error. Yeah, yeah. So that that one's pretty. It's like a lot of these points. It's pretty simple. But you just got to realize it's an actual rule rather than just something you, in your gut, know to avoid. Yeah. Point number 47, so the second to last of my points, refactor early, refactor often. This is one that I've said constantly before I'm really bad at, but I put it in because some of these points you're not going to be good at and it takes work to get them. And this one's pretty obvious. If you refactor early, your job's going to be much less. Like if you just do little bits at a time, you'll slowly trend towards a good code base. Whereas if you... Let it build and build and build, it will become impossible eventually. It will be like throwaway start again. Well, this is this this is like the thing that we were talking about before. Like don't live with broken windows. That's it. Yeah. Alright. And the last point, number sixty one from the book, is find bugs once. So the the entire, I guess, last third of the book tends to be about testing almost. Like so the author is a big fan of writing writing tests. Right. So I just picked one out. But go into this knowing that this author really likes automated testing with good reason. But anyway, number 61 is find bugs once. So as soon as someone finds a bug, write a test for it is the idea, and then fix it. And then one, the bug's fixed, and two, you'll be notified if it ever regresses and comes back again. Indeed. Yeah, so that one's pretty simple as well.
0: I don't really have anything to add to that. I don't. I still I still don't really do te- major amounts of testing, like automated Neither testing. Neither, I'm
1: really bad at testing, but again, it's like, Keep it in mind, and you'll slowly get better at it if you work on it. That's my philosophy.
0: Yeah, I started doing it with some libraries, and then I haven't done any work on those libraries since. So yeah, so okay. I,
1: I think it's one of those things where I need
0: to like actually do it going in and try it going in and see how
1: I go. One one rule that's worked that's worked for me with testing. Do you ever write code like I think I've mentioned this before, but do, if you ever write code, say in your app delegate or something, just to quickly test. the the thing you're working on at the moment? Or you put in like shortcut code to get to the thing you're working on real fast. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I do that. Very rarely. If you're doing that, just put that same code in a unit test and and run it from there instead. Instead of like putting it in your app delegate and then deleting it when you're done. Just put that test code in a unit test and it's effectively the same thing. Hmm. So I found that rule has worked awesome. So I've built up in like projects I work on, even if I haven't written any other tests, I come out at the end with not many, but a, a an amount of unit tests just from doing that, and that's how I've started. Fair enough. Cool. So that's it. I'd highly recommend everyone read the book. I've said that before, but go and read it. It's not that big. I found it really rewarding.
0: I think I bought it after you after you mentioned on a show on a show once, and I started reading it, and then I didn't end up finishing it.
1: It can be like it's it's a bit like that. It's like side projects, right? You program all day. The last thing you want to do when you get home is read about programming. Yeah, read about programming. (laughs) Um, So maybe you have to, I don't know, do it at work somehow or take some time off. I don't know. That actually sounds bad. If you're taking time off, you probably shouldn't be programming. But anyway.
0: Don't use use your time off to to program or don't use your time off to like work on work. It just sounds awful. So yeah, that's it. I think it all comes down to, right? Like, I think the whole concept of pragmatic programming, it comes down to, and I kept trying, to, I kept saying it over and over again, and I, I swear to God I'm going to cut out some of, the, some of the times that I did. <laughs> uh, you, you got to think about your code. Think about the stuff that you're writing. Think about, like, think about the work that you're doing. Don't just code, like, don't just code and code and code because the pragmatic solution, like, the, I, I think the pragmatic solution to, like, writing good code is to not be just coding to actually spend time considering what you're doing like so often so often I like my my kind of reaction to something is to just go well I'll just jump in and fix it no no don't just jump in and fix it go and find the problem go and find like you know go and, go and like re- do some research do some like do things like you do it for other you do it for other stuff like when like let's say let's say ben let's say yes. you're going out and you want to buy a new dishwasher mm do you go out and buy
1: literally the first dishwasher that you lay eyes on? I don't. You know what I do? What do you do? There's, a, there's an app. There actually happens to be an app for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might have made it. <laughs> I it allows you, you to going. compare the cost of dishwashers based on their running costs rather than their upfront purchase costs oh, yes, to good. help the environment. Because sometimes buying a cheaper dishwasher actually costs you more money in the long run. Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah,
1: gosh. Truthfully, though, I read a whole pile of reviews on Google and try and find out which one's good. Yeah. I've never bought a dishwasher, though. I
0: have. I've bought a dishwasher.
1: That's a definitely a homeowner thing. I don't own a home.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's I suppose that's the thing. But like, it's this sort of thing where, like, if you were in that situation, you would go out and you would spend time thinking about what you're gonna buy. You would spend time like considering your options. Uh, you know, this dishwasher has this cool feature where it has turbo dry, and it dries mm. your dishes quicker because turbos and uh, this dishwasher jet technology. <laughs> and this dishwasher, uh, it also makes coffee. That's good that that's a good dishwasher. Like which one do you choose? It's like you, you you would spend time considering these options and going over the going over what you know the problems with that might be and what like what you know might go wrong. Like do they have a good warranty, a good like that sort of thing. Like take that same concept and apply it to your code and yeah, I swear and swear everything
1: will be much better. And also it's all about balance, right? So at some point you actually have to buy a dishwasher.
0: Yeah, you got to figure it out. You can't like you gotta, just
1: wait for the best dishwasher. That's right. At some point you got to like just do it. So there's two sides to this. Slow down, yes, but also remember to actually do it. Don't sit there crippled by choice.
0: Yeah, no, you, you at, at the end like at the end you've got to come you've got to go home with a dishwasher. New dishwashers are not going to be made while you were like not going to be invented while you were out dishwasher shopping.
1: Unless they're JavaScript dishwasher. <laughs> Unless the JavaScript dishwashers, and the metaphor just fell apart. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah,
0: i I think that's I think that's kind of the that that's always been my take takeaway with like pragmatic programming has been to like a consider things and b just like at at the end it just just you just got to make a choice.
1: And if you get takeaway a lot, you probably don't need a dishwasher. You can just throw it in the pin.
0: <laughs>
1: Paper plates. <laughs> Terrible for the environment. Yep. All right. Let's end this because it's just gone off the rails. (laughs) If you would like to
0: read any of the things that Ben has talked about, like, for instance, the book Pragmatic Programming, uh, you'll find links on our website. Our website is mobilecouch.co. You can also send us an email from there because there's a form and you fill it out and it sends an email and it's magic. Also code, but mostly magic. (laughs) Uh, you can also talk to us individually. Ben is on Twitter as Ben Trengrove. That's B E N T R E N G R O V E, and I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's been amazing once again to talk to you. As as always, as always, we we uh, so much have enjoyed doing uh, doing the show, doing this episode, doing just things in general. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time uh, for our final. Final episode. Ben. Whoa. Ben, final episode. That's crazy. Until then, goodbye.
1: Bye.